testing, testing. Here we go. Welcome to the Airplane Show, everybody. We are getting started. Um, happy Thursday morning. Still getting my loves, my love, my loves, my lovers. Um, today we have an impromptu and quite, um, I would say, special guest to the podcast. Don't worry, you can talk in a second. Let me just—I just need to. This is all happening so fast. Um, we had talked about. Uh, hang on, I'm gonna. There we go. I'm just gonna hold my mic because that's that's how I like to do it. Edwin, if you want, you can hold your mic too. And you can't hear the audio, so that's gonna be harder. I normally have a second set of headphones. The reason why we're a mess is because this podcast is coming to you live, eight hour delay from Iceland. <laughs> and uh, basically, we went out to dinner last night with a uh, a a man who is an architect, a golf architect in Iceland. But more than that, we I think, and you can correct me if I'm wrong, Edwin share a um, the same kind of question mark with the future of golf. Would you say that's true? Yeah. Um, I didn't actually know that um, maybe you had the same thoughts right. in your mind. But, uh, well, I'm, I might be assuming too much. But, um, yeah, I, I mean, I think it's healthy to ask questions. Uh, I think... Um, just if you look at um, the business world in its entirety, all sectors and in industry, all businesses have a rise and fall, don't they? I mean, how many companies are still around that were around in the, the early 1900s, for example? Right. So th things evolve, and, and I think we need to have the humility to, to at least assume that uh, we have to you know, stay on our toes you know, to, to, to secure a future for a game of golf as, you know, just as you would for um, film in a, in, a, in a camera, right? <laughs> right. So, um, and, I'm, and, I, and I, I must admit that I'm, I'm slightly concerned. Uh, that's a mild understatement, actually. You know uh, what? I, I think you should actually grab your yeah. lob and just hold it like what, the way I am. Yeah. Because what you're about to say is going to be amazing. And I just I want no to hear pressure. every uh, I want to hear every. You can just hold it close, and I'll yeah, no I'll pressure. deal with the audio yeah. here. Um, I apologize. This is not the normally. So we're holding two. I can't find my podcast setup. So we're here. Like I said, we went to dinner last night. We stayed up all night. We played golf. And um, like I said, Ed, well, first Edwin, before we get into this um, statement that you were about to make, can can we just get some background on? Um, well, first of all, I was I was. This is going to be an incredibly tangential podcast, so make sure you've had your coffee. Um, and uh, but basically, Sean Tully, who's the uh, superintendent at the Meadow Club in California, yeah. he and I become friends online. Uh, we're actually going to meet in a couple weeks. I'm pretty excited. We're going to go uh, play golf with him in, in Northern California. But he was like, "Hey, I heard you're going to Iceland. You you should talk to Edwin." And uh, so we texted Colt. Texted Colt's here. What's up, Colt? How's it going? What time is it? Hey. 9.15 in the morning. A.M. Doesn't feel like it. And so anyway, um, uh, you have uh, you know, made quite a career out of golf course architecture here. And uh, I'm so excited to see some of your work as we go north. And it's coincidentally, uh, we're going to be, we're coming here for the Arctic Open to, to, play, um, to play in that, a course that you've worked on. And right near your newest, um, the results of your newest endeavors. So there you go. How do you pronounce your last name? Roald. Okay. There you go. Roald. 
I thought that's what it said. I thought that's what it was, but yeah. Icelandic words aren't pronounced uh, easily. No, 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 no. They can be a mouthful. No. <laughs> so um, I guess I guess one of the things I just wanted to start with is like you know when we were at dinner last night we were talking about um, you know we 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 interviewed you for Adventures in Golf which is going to be coming out in a couple months and uh, you gave some great. Um, uh, you know, background to the Icelandic golf scene. But one of the things you talked about in a much bigger way was this idea of how uh, golf needs to focus on being sustainable. And I think that, um, you know, that's, that's one of my, um, you know, I think that's one of the things that I'm interested in as well without even really realizing it, right? I'm more interested in the personality behind how we get people to play golf and enjoy golf more just individually and as a group. And so it was really interesting to hear you talk about how, um, and maybe it wasn't even so much about the grass and the dirt, right? It seemed to be a little bit more about um, bigger things like... Yeah, kind of higher level, sort of 50,000 feet, uh, where the game is going, how can we make it you know, accessible enough to be meaningful in, in our communities or... Stuff like that. Yeah. I think, I think that's what we talked about. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And it was just really inspiring. So um, I guess um, let's just start there. I mean, you know, what, what uh, when you, I remember how it came up. As we were talking about, um, you, you were basically saying something that goes counter to most Americans, whether they're businessmen, golfers, or anyone. You, you were saying, I don't really want to do a golf course that's just for money. I want to do a golf course that has a community aspect to it. Was that am I am I am I paraphrasing you correctly? Yeah, it just uh, I think it's that was even more on a personal level for me. You know, when I said that, I think it was um, there comes a point maybe in everyone's life where you, you know, we're just like an onion. We just peel layers and layers and layers, don't we? And um, I just didn't feel enough excitement about just working on golf course architecture as I had done just as a, as a business strictly or, or as a way to uh, earn an income. Uh, I wanted to focus on projects where both myself and the client saw a chance to, to do something meaningful beyond golf as well. Obviously we want to create great golf, but I think there are ways to do it so that the game of golf can be used in remarkable ways to generate uh, social and environmental benefits, multiple mutual benefits. So when you say something beneficial beyond golf, mm. what, what, is the, what, what would be your um, home run example of that? Well, yeah, okay, a home run would be a project, let's say where you're, yeah, to start with, you could identify an area that's uh, just degraded land. It could be a quarry, it could be a landfill, something like that, uh, where you could actually use golf as a business initiative to come in and rehabilitate that land. Um, so in that case, a government wouldn't necessarily just see that because those projects often sort of are, are sort of put on ice, put at the back of the priority order. Why? Uh, because I think it's, you know, we don't see uh, enough benefit. I think we just more or less just see it as a, an expense, right? Just allocating money to clean the, cleaning that area up. But if you, if you do something with it, you know, use the golf course almost as a tool to come in and, and rehabilitate it. It's the same work, basically. You're just, you're just coming in with machines and you're just 
you know, grading it so that it functions properly in terms of, you know, where water goes and, you know, in cases of landfills, you might have to do certain things to, to mitigate uh, leaching of toxic materials and things like that. So it's, a, it's the same work. Has anyone ever built a golf course on top of a landfill? Yeah, you, you've got, uh, for example, I believe Ferry Point in New York. Oh, right. Donald Trump's shit. Uh, yeah. Wait, what? No, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> that's fa- I didn't even realize that it was on a landfill. Well, I'm, I'm pretty sure um, that Ferry Point is on a landfill. Yeah, that yeah. sounds right yeah. now that you mention it. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, what a great use of space. Absolutely. And, you know, that's that's the whole idea about, and and this 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 goes, you know, affects the overall, uh, obviously, the long-term overall image of the game. Because <clears throat> just let's see, I mean, as a regular person who doesn't play golf, a working man or woman, how probably are you likely to see golf? Uh, chances are you'll see maybe on your way to work, you'll see a golf course, and uh, at least for long periods of time, and probably still in some cases, Unfortunately, you'll see a fence, private club. You'll see even signs like keep out private property. Uh, so that probably goes at the back of your mind, right? You know, it sinks I'm in sub- subliminal messages, you know, elitism, exclusiveness. Uh, you come home after work, you look at the news, you probably see a news news feature from the weekend's golf tournament where the winner is holding a huge check and there's a fountain behind him. Mm. Uh, what does that tell you? And then maybe you, you, you see a movie where high-level executives are plotting something uh, maybe while playing golf. Evil. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's, well, you it's know, this is, I'm painting a dark picture here. No, but you're... you're it's, yeah, but, I, the, yeah. fact, it, I'm, the fact that you're even saying it this way... Uh, is a really proof of a higher level of intelligence because the, the, the ability to think about how someone thinks about something to, to a certain number of levels is actually quite intelligent. And I've never, I've never, I, I've done that because I wasn't into golf and now I'm into it, but oh, keep going. Yeah, I just think um, intelligent or not, I just, I just, I might, I may be wrong. You're so humble. I may be wrong. I'm frequently wrong. <laughs> but these are just basically just observations that uh, I can't help you know, getting right. or having, um, you know, you know, working, you know, for, the, for a number of years in the industry. So, yeah. and I'm maybe I'm lucky to come from a place where it's done differently, and it's 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 thanks to no one. It's just the, you know the circumstances, and I think you know you, you draw inspiration from that. Um, and, and, and if you look at sort of the, the outlook, I think, now for, for how we live our lives, I think we can all agree that we're, you know, there's growing populations. Mm-hmm. That means, and what is fixed is the, you know, the level of resources that we have on Earth, mm. amount of land and things like that. So there's going to be more pressure on land use, especially in and around urban areas. Golf courses are there. Um, we're notoriously, probably, traditional in the sense how how many holes we would like golf courses to have. The golf. So do you ball, disagree with the eighteen-hole model? I don't disagree with the eighteen-hole model, but I would I would like to um, I would like to sort of um, return to the old model, which was the infinite 
flexibility in the number of holes. So not even three nines? No, not even three nines. That's even more difficult to achieve in a project because it's, it's more constraints. It's more, oh. yeah, so it's more binding to you as a designer. So, so, let, so, home run, so home run layout of holes, what is it? Well, that would be, I think, the way I think many people live their lives today. I think um, we have a leisure window, a desirable leisure window, uh, maybe of two and a half, three hours. Right. Mine's about 18. Yeah. If you think about it, <laughs> let's say on a Saturday afternoon, you go out with the family, you go out of the house, you go somewhere, you might go to the mall, you, can, you know, wherever, or to the movies. I think in many ways, after you've done that and had some dinner or, or lunch or a bite to eat, you're back home at about, and after about three plus hours, I guess. Yeah. And I guess that's kind of a comfort level. And that's how the game of golf started. Is that true? Well, I mean, all the evidence points to the game maybe taking about that long. Amazing. Um, if you could see the smile on my face. That's there, so fascinating. There are indications telling us that the Open Championship, just after 1900, uh, the groups being started at four-minute intervals. Four-minute interval? Colt's eyes are falling out of his head. <laughs> Can you imagine pro golfers playing around like that? Well, okay, so so keep but, going, you know, Edwin. This but, is amazing. But, but you have to keep in mind, though, Yeah. the ball went, it didn't go as far. Right. So you were out of, it, it took you, it didn't take you as long to walk out of hitting distance. Ah, I see. So it really comes down to very basic things. Right. It, the game takes longer to play today because we are walking further. Oh, fascinating. Further left and right, unfortunately. Uh, oh, yeah, <laughs> in some, some cases, yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah, in many cases, yeah. actually. Can I just take a side note here? Yeah. So last week I played in the Hickory Open. Yeah. So I played two rounds of golf with Hickory clubs. Yeah. You can take the paperclip off the lob. You yeah, don't I'm need your, your hand is going to get tired by the end of this. I apologize. But we played, uh, we played with hickory clubs, and I didn't lose a ball for two days. And, he, and, I, and I hit this, like, you know, standard old club. Are you, he's trying to make a mic stand out of the paper clip. Guys, <laughs> if you could only see this. He's extracting it. It's, Jason Bourne is now, he's, the eagle has landed. So anyway, um, home run layout of holes. Tell me the number, Edwin. What is the number? Yeah, I think anywhere... I guess between 12 and 15. Okay, well, I just jammed your level, sorry. Um, 12 and 15. Yeah, I think, but the, the flexibility is key because, you know, if you have the luxury of coming into a project where there is no sort of predetermined number of holes, you will be able to follow the natural terrain and the contours almost entirely. Uh-huh. And by doing that, you'll drive the construction costs way down because you can just use what's there. You're not trying to squeeze in two yeah. or three holes. Yeah, and especially, I mean, think about if you've got a predetermined number of holes, and then, as, as many people have suggested, to have maybe three loops of six, that's even, that's way more complicated. It's kind of like someone saying, from now on, every painting will be eight by 10 inches. Yeah, and every movie should be 119 minutes. Holy shit! Would you be able to make a good film if you always had to make it 108 minutes? Well, it would certainly take a lot of decisions off my plate because I'd be able to say, I know how long the movie is. How long should the movie be? Well, 108 Well, yeah, actually, that's a very good point because I feel the same way about, yeah, if I have to design a 9 or an 18-hole course, many of the decisions are already made for me. Yeah. So it makes the decision process easier or shorter. Um, And 
it changes the, the practice of golf course architecture into like um, a puzzle exercise, right? Where you just where your skill, you know, is about making the the whole thing work, right? If that is no longer the case, the whole the fundamental of golf course architecture will completely change because it'll make you freak out a bit because you never know <laughs> if you actually nailed it, you know. Okay, I, I found a way to make it work with seven holes. I found a way to make it work with 11 holes. I found a way to make it work with even 12 or 18. But I never know, you know, is this the optimal design? Right. Is there a hole there that I could have found or el eliminated that would have made the whole experience better? But if I have the, uh, the task of fitting in 18 holes, I'll be happier much sooner uh -huh. because it was such a difficult and demanding task to, to to put all the pieces of the puzzle together, that I'll be that I'll step away from the desk quite happy, you know, after I've I found a, an, sort of a, an adequate sort of uh, way to you know to put it together. It's interesting. So you'll you'll get better courses for less money if you have more freedom, and if you apply that to any other business, that probably would be a good idea. A better product for less money. Yeah, I think most uh, investors would probably smile when you say that. Yeah, but then we have the, the sort of the, you know, the, um, we're so used to the norm. You yeah. Know? We're so used to the Especially idea in golf or in most things? No, I think especially, well, uh, especially in golf. Yeah. Uh, just, it's, it's embedded in everything we do. A restaurant is called the 19th hole. <laughs> uh, yeah, why don't they call it the 20th hole? Coming, <laughs> I'm going to you know, be there for a while. When you're describing sort of almost like a, in, a, in a romantic way, coming down the 18th, it's, uh -huh. it's, it's embedded in your, it just comes out, you know, the 18th, that's the Why is hole. that? Why is golf filled with these sort of, um, Well, you know, the reason vistas. why we play 18 is because the old course in St. Andrews was taken from 22 holes to 18 mm. in 1764. Man knows his dates. I like that. In 2014, four years ago, we were at St. Andrews for the Dunhill. That happened to be the 250-year uh, anniversary. 250. Yeah. So, but the game of golf is, we, and nobody actually knows how, how old it is, but it, it, it is definitely around 600 years. Oh, so, we are going to get into that. And stay tuned for the, hist yeah. for the origin of golf, because you might, it sounds like you don't believe it's Scottish. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, it, it definitely... I think it definitely took the shape that we know it to modern be golf in Scotland. You've got two versions of modern golf, right? But you got grass. Cause you, are you are you talking about ice golf? No. You're talking about Colvin. Well, Colvin and golf were definitely games with a stationary ball, right? Struck with a with a stick. Um, but uh, actually, we we don't have written reference to a ball a stationary ball being played into a hole in the ground until 1687. In Scotland, yeah, right, uh, Musselboro. Uh, I, I couldn't tell you exactly exactly where right. that written reference. The, the, the reference is Kincaid's diary. Whoa, um, and that's almost like an instructional manual on how to swing a golf club and all those types of things. And that's a crazy read because um, it was such a demanding game at the time. You know, you you obviously had a at that time you had a feathery golf ball. It was right. you know a feather uh, a leather ball stuffed with feathers. And the very expensive. The the ball yeah, was very expensive. Ter terribly expensive. That's why it was an elitist game, or you know, uh, only for the wealthy, uh, because of the price of the ball. And that's basically how it's been 
for most, you know, for most of the game set, you know, history. Speaking of golf balls, this podcast is brought to you by Vice Golf. Yeah. Check out your Vice Balls, top performance, half the price. And actually, we just got a promo code, vicegolf.com slash balls for life. If you go this week, I don't know what it is. I think if you get five dozen, you get a free dozen. So go do that, but only do it this week because next week is not going to exist. Sorry, Edwin. Go ahead. Back to you. Uh, no problem. <laughs> that was like fucking, that. that was timing right there. That was good. <laughs> yeah. That was good. I'm going to actually check and see what the deal is on my phone. Stand by. Edwin, mm. um, what? You just had a daughter. Yes. And I asked you at dinner, what, what's her name? Uh, she's two weeks old? She's one week old. One week old. Yeah. And your birthday is on Friday. Yeah. So I, I asked you at dinner, what's the name of your daughter? And you said... Well, I've been suggesting Augusta. <laughs> and uh, now, but here's the, here's that's going to be a hard, a hard negotiation, I think. Here's the thing. You've been suggesting a name, but she's already been on planet Earth for seven days. Yeah, yeah. we have christenings at about two or three months old. Is this, does this happen in America? I don't think so. Colt's like eight years old. He doesn't have an idea. <laughs> <laughs> I still don't have a name yet. Yeah. Colt's like, I don't have a driver's license. <laughs> okay, wait, sorry. Back to this. The, uh, the promo code. Here you go. Uh, I apologize. It's one week, and it says if you buy five dozen, you will receive an extra dozen on top. So essentially, you get 20% off. Are we talking about babies or golf balls? Uh, well, <laughs> are you trying to grow the population here in Iceland? <laughs> what was that? Remember that PR thing about like uh, they'll pay you to like have sex with Icelandic women? Oh, that was such a <laughs> bogus. I don't know where, it, where that came it from. It piqued my interest, I'll tell yeah, you. I'll yeah. be honest. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. We were not too happy uh, with that. So, uh. Apologies. Apologies. <laughs> no. I didn't make it as far as you know. Yeah. Um, okay. The, we, fuck. There's That's so fake many, news. That's fake, fake news. Fake news. Yeah. So is this. <laughs> there is no news here. I'm going to turn this mic off. What? There's so many interesting things I want to talk about. Um, I, I, I want to go back to this, though. Uh, you, yeah, yeah. Sorry. sorry. Go we, ahead. We were just... We were just, uh, just uh, there's one thing I wanted to just tell you about. Because it's crazy that Kincaid's diary. Uh -huh. I believe that's in, in that one where it says that uh, when you were hitting the ball, you know, obviously the clubs had to be made sort of uh, to the specs of the ball. The ball always has always kind of dictated how the club is built. Okay. Um, they, the, the golfers swinging the club, they had to make the club slide a bit in their palms as they were coming into impact. Why? And that is actually, as I'm saying it, that is during the, 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 the gutta percha era where the ball you know, where it was made of, of gutta percha foam. Yeah. It was so hard and dead. Like when you hit it in, on a cold day, it, it really hurt. <laughs> so you held the club much more in your, in, the, in your palms and you had to make it slide just a bit through impact. Just Whoa. Sort of to soften the blow. As if it wasn't complicated enough. Yeah, exactly. So, yeah, it's a really, really demanding so, game. So, going back to the number of holes thing, um, I'm not so fussed about, you know, I hate when people are like, what do you think of Top Golf? What do you think of this? Mm -hmm. How many holes should it be? Like, I don't fucking know. Like, I, but, but what I was thinking about when you were talking about, from your perspective of the, um, you know, the Picasso of the golf course, and you're talking about, um, how to kind of essentially you've got to do two things at once, which I really love to do on my job is I need to be completely creative, but I also need to solve these problems, right? Yeah. I need to make a video 
that people are going to watch yeah. and that they're going to enjoy and want to either watch again or send to someone. How do you do that? Well, and then, the, and then, and then as well, you've got to follow your own heart of like, well, what do I think is interesting? You know, like I need to trust those different things, you know, but going back to the idea of, of needing to fit a footprint on an already existing piece of land, the idea of, of being free to create any number of holes, it's almost like that therein lies having an infinite number of holes, right? That what you, you said infinite, right? Didn't you? Well, it's never going to be infinite because, you know, there are only a few options, I think, within the comfort level. But, right. You know, I think, yeah. Well, but you were saying an infinite number of possibilities. Like, you know, oh, yeah. Oh, infinite, yeah. Infinite yeah. number of possibilities. Like, yeah, absolutely. And so th- that idea actually is exciting, but it comes with a tremendous burden. Right. Have you heard the thing that says um, uh, in order to be truly creative, you need to create you need to have a little wall around you? Like 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 because because for a truly creative person, if you were just like, hey. If I was like Edwin, go do anything right now, mm. you would be like, uh, yeah, you know. But like almost having those constraints, like for me at least, for you know whatever I'm doing, like the podcast, it's like okay, I know I have to use a microphone, <laughs> and I know it's going to be you know ideally an hour long, and we're going to be talking, and and you know within that I can kind of do anything, yeah, you know. But but when someone's like just make something, it's like it's like terribly hard to manage the potential options, especially when you're looking at. You know, you're a visual person, you're using math, you're using uh, perspective. How do you, you know, it's like, I don't know, can you comment on that? Like, maybe from your background, because you were originally uh, going to be an architect of structures, of buildings. Yeah, that was my dream as a, as a child, yeah. Right. Yeah. And then you sort of looked over on the distance and you saw a flag in slow motion and you were like, maybe that. Yeah. I, I developed an interest in golf after seeing Seve play on TV. Whoa, I almost cried. Did you see Savvy the movie? I still haven't seen it. It's really good. Yeah. It's really good. Like, you would think it might not be good, but it is really, really good. Yeah. I saw it on my best friend Stuart's birthday. We went to the theater as a group of uh, golfers. But, yeah. but, yeah, how sad is that? Right? Yeah, it is. It is. But that's, what, that's exactly the way he was. He, he, he brought people to the game. Right. Well, and speaking of creativity, I mean, he, right. had, he had an infinite amount of creativity. And and he one of my favorite stories about him is the pizza box, right? Like he would he would chip off of a pizza box, ah, uh-huh. <laughs> as practice. Yeah, yeah. Did you hear yeah. this? Yeah. He would just lay a pizza box down and just chip off it to get used to tight lives. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I don't. <laughs> I can't even chip off of anything. So, um, but but coming to can can you can you outline the differences between golf course architecture and just actual architecture? Or actual is maybe not the right word, but his eyes just pulled. Yeah. She was like, eh, fuck off. Um, no, but, but between stru- building structures and building walks with grass. It would be tough for me to say because I'm not that deeply involved in, in structural architecture. Mm. I, I, get, I think it's in many ways a very similar process. Mm. Uh, and talking about, I mean, like you said, I, I completely agree. You always need a certain criteria. Otherwise, you just don't know where to start, right? That reminds me of, you know, I think, the philosopher there, Ludwig Wittgenstein, said, an inner process stands in need of outward criteria. Um, I'm going to need to <laughs> I'm gonna need to phone a friend on that yeah, one. Yeah. Can you explain what that means? Well, whatever you do, you always need criteria. You always need a brief, you know, to tell you sort of what is required. 
Okay. And that comes to, I think, and that's the same in building architecture as in golf. And I, uh, and, and often I think for you as well, when you're making a, a film a, a or dumb show. Video. <laughs> no, no, don't say that. Don't short yourself. Um, there's always a client. Right. And, um, you know, at different levels, I guess. But uh, we Sometimes are, that client is yourself. It can be. In some endeavors. Yeah, like, like uh, musicians, for example. Yeah. Painters. Yeah. Or, uh, or a spiritual process. Yeah, you, could, yeah you, you, you have the luxury, basically, of, of just painting whatever you want. Right. And it doesn't, there are no real cost implications. You can try painting something. If you're a musician, you can, you can try and piece together a song. It's not going to be a financial burden for you to, to attempt that. Right. But in golf and in, in buildings, you have a client who pays for it. And you always, you're always bound by the wishes of the client to a certain extent. Right. So, and that you know, brings me to, let's say, when you're criticizing an architect, you actually have no idea, basically, what went on. The client maybe had a lot to say about whether the bunkers were sod-walled or they were this or that, or whether that hole went in this direction or that direction. Um, Fascinating. And the architect mostly, you know, for sure is responsible for outlining the options for right. the client, uh, explaining the cost implications of, you know, if, if we go this way, it's going to cost that, and it's going to probably do this for you, it's going to be that much to maintain, la 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 la, or if you go the other way. And, but the, the owner he has the final word. And they sometimes know nothing about. Uh, yeah, I mean, I mean, naturally, they they will have less knowledge. Ideally, of the <laughs> ideally, of the of the subject right. than the actual architect. Right. Um, but so that, that that's that's also a, a where it becomes highly a highly demanding job, also on a human level in in terms of communication, how you communicate your ideas, how you explain. Right. The effects of what we do and... Well, and maybe the one example that uh, is devoid of that, right? The one example of how uh, owner and architect perhaps uh, saw eye to eye on everything would be uh, Augusta. Probably. Um, I think... Is, is, that your, is that your course? Is that, what, 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 where do you look for inspiration as far as architects or courses? Well, I think I draw from uh, quite a large variety of, of styles or types of courses. Um, and I hope, I can, I can actually never know for sure myself, but I hope that, uh, for example, I don't have a style. Mm. Uh, I well, would like a, to... You're wearing a nice cardigan. I, I like that. <laughs> you have no style. <laughs> uh, I think what I, what I would like to achieve is to draw inspiration from the actual site right and the the landscape the local landscape right. terrain uh, i i sometimes regret a little bit how we in golf have almost fallen into that kind of cookie cutter uh concept of most course courses somehow looking and feeling the same wherever they're built in the world you mm. know robert Trent jones Ooh, I'm not gonna, <laughs> not gonna. I know Robert, and uh, I, 
I'm not going to comment on on his work, uh, you know, uh, or anyone anyone else's. It's sad because well, I will because I don't give a shit. And um, but I, I will say about Robert, he did Chambers Bay, didn't he? Uh, his son. Oh, you're talking senior. I was talking senior. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Well, I think I would, I would, I would, I would defend both of them. And I, I would. Think, I think Robert Trent Jones Senior was uh, an, an innovator in our business. I agree. So yeah. l- let me just say one thing before I sound like uh, a cynical person. I have a very hard time hating on anybody. Right. Yeah. I can I can find positives in the most evil person. Right. Yeah. Like I actually have met Donald Trump, and he's actually incredibly charming. Like I was like, oh my god, like can we go play golf? He's evil, obviously, right? We can we can all agree. And if you don't agree, then I can probably find a way to still like you, mm-hmm. right? But the point is, I don't really care about that. The point is, Robert Trent Jones, I, my first golf experience was on the Alabama Robert Trent Jones Trail, and that, for me, was the beginning of golf. Mm-hmm. And I didn't even know about Lynx Golf or even understand that there could be golf without trees. Or I, didn't, I didn't understand any of it. And so, you know, for me, originally, golf was Robert Trent Jones. Yeah. And so it was really funny to now come, you know, to then go to Scotland years later and Ireland and here and see that it's different. And what I was going to say is I, I guess my most interesting experience with all of that was, have you heard of Hogshead? Yeah. So we, we played Waterville in, uh, in Ireland, oh. you know, wonderful, of course, 1881 or something, right? Just a magically simple layout of golf. And then someone said, go to Hogshead. So I went over across the street, played Hogshead, brand new private course, helicopter pad, glass clubhouse. I mean, the place was like an acid-laced fairy tale of what golf could be like if you were Bill Gates. And I literally hated the course from the first tee because it's basically Robert Trent Jones' course. I don't know actually who designed it, but whoever did, they should really... um, come out publicly against whoever forced them to do whatever they did on this wonderful piece of property. Cause they basically built an American golf course yeah. in Scotland in Ireland. And it's just, it, it is just so devoid of what you were just saying, which is the course is merely clothing for the earth that it sits on top of. And, and you know, it's just a trail. It's just a trail, right? I mean, what if you mm-hmm. break down a golf course into its mm-hmm. most essential purpose and, 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 and most essential experiential, you know, fill in the blank. What is it? You you want to take the the golfer to the most attractive and exciting spots on the on the property. That's the sole purpose. You want the, what's the most important? Is that it? Well, yeah, but you know, it is golf, so you want them to be able to get around. You want them to be able to know their way. You want them to be able to find their ball mm-hmm. and have a decent go at the hole, putting aggressive putting. Right. Aggressive putting. What does that mean? Uphill, up. Uh... Well, I, I kind of think that we're a little bit, you know, on a slippery slope, almost, you know, literally speaking, with uh, green speeds. Fourteens. I mean, Pete Dye wants them to be slower. I I want them slower. Pete Dye said they're way too fast. Yeah, the way amateur too fast. golfer can't do it. Yeah, I like I like the average player to be able to have a good go at the hole. What do you like? A nine? Ooh, that's slow no more as than hell. that. Nine. No more than a nine. No. Oh my God! When when we played, uh, what, what, what did we play uh, in the morning? Keeler, how fast do you think those greens were? Eleven, ten and a half? Mm, I don't know where they're at at the moment, but I think maybe they they take them to a ten, right. ten plus at some, you know, 
at some, in some parts of the year. So, so you must just need a you must need an antacid when you watch the U.S. Open. Yeah, no, but I think it's it's a play it's a pace of play issue, and right. uh, you know if you're if you're this is starting an to sound average like... player is three putting many greens. You know it right. it takes. It takes maybe almost 20, 20 minutes, half an hour more to play a, a foursome. This is starting to sound like a USGA board meeting. Colt, what did you want to say? I was going to say, Gil Hamm was talking about the green speeds and slope percentage last week at the U.S. Open. Is there a rule where if there's a certain, if there's a certain um, like percentage of, a, of slope on the green that it should be a certain speed? Yeah. Is there a rule to that? What yeah. is that rule? Well, uh, well, that's stimp, isn't it? Yeah, we have charts for that, um, and um, stimp is just the speed. But I'm saying matching that to the slope. yeah, yeah. It's a combination of of stimp and slope or grade. Uh, ideally, uh, you can probably. Oh, I see. You wouldn't want to have a ten foot putt break more than X feet. Is that what you're saying? Yeah, well, it's also about you know whether the ball just simply can come to rest. Yeah, and unmakeable putt. Yeah, if it's gonna increase its speed you know and and around the hole you'll need a, a fairly flattish area yeah, where this, the ball actually comes to rest and this happened to justin rose on 18 right he, he tapped it 10 feet he, he was above the hole which i guess on some level you could be like well that's not fair which i never agree with anyone ever saying that it's not fair because it is fair because we all are treated yeah. unfairly but anyway rosie was above the hole literally breathed on the ball yeah. <laughs> it just goes 15 feet by. Yeah, it, it, to me, it's becoming a little bit gimmicky. Right, right. You know, and, uh, uh, you know, we have to, I think, because I think tournament organizers and the big tours, they have a responsibility. Right. Uh, a lot of people are watching these events on TV, and the taste of a normal, regular golfer is developed by watching TV. Which is sad. And uh, if they see... Fast greens, if they see deeply mm. manicured green, deep green color on, you know, on the grass, obviously, on the fairways and greens and, and uh, high in, you know, intensive maintenance uh, fountains, you know, these elaborate bunker shapes and, and things like that, that's going to affect what a greens committee wants to achieve on their course. Mm -hmm. And um, that takes more resources. Yeah. More material, a larger footprint, more money, and that's ultimately going to be have to be paid by the customer. Well, so yeah, and you didn't even mention it's going to result in a higher price, so that the game becomes less accessible for that, and that's not as responsible, is it, as a land use and resource use, is it? So no, well, I feel like you're mad at me. I'm kidding. No, <laughs> I'm no, kidding. no, I'm kidding. Um, <laughs> but, <laughs> so that's that's the um, that should be the mindset, right? Of because. The, the big tours, for example, what are they? They're just a workplace, right? Yeah. They're just a community of, of professional golfers. They own the tour, you know, in essence. Yeah, it's a union. Yeah, and, um, and they're playing for money. Right. So it's their livelihood. Some of them are so playing. So I would think that their benefit is that the golf market is as big as it can be. Yeah. And so if you are, if you're driving... <laughs> higher inputs and maintenance and footprints which will filter down onto the grassroots level in golf then you are restricting its development right and you are in the long term restricting your potential as an, an, an earner right at the professional level so that's how a professional golfer should think 
you know, I would like to encourage a professional golfer to be an, an enlightened practitioner like that. Mm, but they're not. Uh, some of them are. Some, yeah. but a lot of them. And that's how I think that's why you should be. And I think we have to have the guts to show pale color on greens and fairways. Right. But obviously there's a balance. I mean, I, I mean, that's I think we have to be honest about that. Yeah. Um, but I think in some cases, the uh, production crews on these events have used, you know, filters on the cameras and things to enhance images to achieve more green color. Wow. We all have to work together on that, I think. You know, it's because funny. We're all, it's, we're all in the same boat. It's benefits for everyone. You know, it's it. Yeah. Yeah. What you're saying, the idea that, um, you know, when you watch something on TV, you want to experience it really is depicted by my fascination with becoming a spy. <laughs> <laughs> like, I think, I think I'm actually James Bond, you know, but, but I'm being, but I'm joking, but I'm not like, I mean, yeah. you know, we, and it also, I think works in reverse too, a little bit. I mean, if it wasn't really interesting, people might not be watching it. I mean, you know, uh, the, yeah. the CEO, the former CEO of American Airlines said, um, you know, we would love to give people more comfortable seats and more baggage weights and things like that. But the customer has told us resoundingly with their decisions around where they spend their money and how they spend it that all they want is the cheapest ticket on planet Earth. And so if they want that, then we will figure out a way to give them the cheapest ticket on planet Earth. Mm -hmm. So if television viewers are saying, we want the fastest and greenest greens, that, you know, maybe they are actually driving the creativity of it. Now, I'm not saying I believe that, and I'm not saying yeah, I disagree yeah. with you, yeah. but that's been, that, that's been sort of my experience. As we say, we put out a movie with a spy, all of a sudden everyone watches it, it's like, more spy movies. Yeah, but we've coached the customer, you know, what to expect. Mm -hmm. Sure, sure. Uh, it's the same thing. Didn't Steve Jobs say that, you know, he can't go to market research to, you know, for his product development. Nobody's ever seen an iPad before. So they're not going to tell you to make an iPad, are they? Podcast over. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, it's always limited. You know, you obviously have to do, you know, due diligence and uh, do your research and do your homework. But the, the market's never going to tell you everything. Oh shit! I just had a wall, like like a creative wall. Like I'm like, I need to restart my life. <laughs> I need to literally like reevaluate every decision I've ever made. you know, made. It, we're talking about you know the big tours and the, the the tournament organizers. I mean, the USGA is you know one of the good things that they're doing is that they're, for example, they've been they've been trying to to keep intact some of the larger out of play areas with, with tall grasses and native grasslands and things like that. And they've been trying to promote why they're doing that and. Mm -hmm. Uh, and I think, you know, so, you know, there is a, uh, we're seeing more rustic elements, you know, on these courses that we're taking big events to, you know, tall grasses on the edges, you know, right. maybe more rustic looking bunkers and things right. like that. So, we're, you know, there are certain things that we, I, I think definitely is an improvement and that's hopefully affecting what people want to see on their own courses. You know, less. You know, mowing a bit less of all these big out-of-play areas. You don't need to mow everything. Right. Uh, so it, it can it can really help you save money and offer better prices. You know. 
Hey, Sklar Brothers here, Randy and Jason, and we have a couple of podcasts. If you you know them or you don't know them, check them out. We do View from the Cheap Seats, which is sports and comedy, and we have a podcast called Dumb People Town where we break down stupid behavior done by stupid people in this stupid world of ours. It is hilarious. Check them both out. And now, check out this podcast. You know, what you are, I probably wouldn't ask anyone else in your shoes, uh, we're here for the purposes of talking about golf and you know, golf course architecture to some extent and the future of golf. But you seem like a pretty interesting dude who seems to really uh, fly on the same altitude, wavelength, whatever you want to say. And so I'm wondering if you have an observation of perhaps this problem you're just, you're th- we're thinking about right now, which is sort of why do we make golf not fun or why do we make golf take too long or, or wh- why isn't golf perfect right like what have we missed because we've made it we did it Mm -hmm. and in some sense i would if i was gonna answer that question i would be like well it's the fucking businesses it's not golf is not actually for the people right now would you agree with that i think it that's almost uh needs to be judged on a case-by-case basis i mean there are so many types of golf courses well of course but not i'm not talking golf courses you know when people talk about the golf industry yeah that's like one of my least favorite words on planet earth and Mm -hmm. when people say golf is dying i'm always like golf's fine Mm -hmm. the industry is dying because taylor made sold eight less clubs this year or because four people watched the golf thing on tv less but people are still enjoying golf and from what i heard i talked to the usga last week they said we get 2 million new golfers every year, but we lose 15. Yeah. And so, well, the re- if the retention is the problem, clearly people aren't enjoying it. So what are they doing wrong? What are we doing wrong? It's because businesses are greedy. Yeah, and I guess, you know, I think, yeah, I think you're, I think you're right there. I think, um, just as an example, uh, some of this, there is so much that goes on sort of in the back rooms that never gets talked about. For example, if when, as I, as I often do, I'm, I'm consulting with, with golf clubs or golf associations or, or, or uh, bodies like that. And in these meeting rooms, we're talking to government officials, um, municipalities, about, you know, the, the, the benefits of golf and, and trying to, push initiatives where, you know, we can get more golf facilities, accessible ones in urban areas that, you know, the youth can get to and uh, sort of just to, to enjoy that grassroots version of the game that I think you're talking about, you mm-hmm. know, that true, you know, pure golfing experience. Um, but then we come to, for example, if we're trying to, for example, hold uphold the 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 health benefits which is a huge like you know when you when you're playing golf on foot for example and you talked about meditation last night very briefly but yes yeah um there are some you know really interesting health benefits that we can tie to the game Uh, we get people walking for periods of time that you're very unlikely to do do so if you're not playing golf you're walking on soft surfaces uh, for extended periods of time with your pulse near near 100. Um, you're using your mind to solve problems at the same time. You're walking in nature, which has we, we know to have certain effects on your brain. Uh, you can talk about Alzheimer's disease and, you know, things like that. Oh. Um, but, and this is where big business comes into it, 
the use of golf carts is is is, is in our way there. Uh, we. Um, oh my God! Because every golf course has to abide. Yeah, I mean, it it doesn't help that you know because we could really use uh, the op opportunity to highlight these health benefits, you know, to to further the game of golf and it's you know it's it's uh, it's place in people's minds, you know, decision makers, politicians. But when golf cart use is so widespread, uh, it cancels out that benefit. So that's where big business comes in. Mm -hmm. Companies sure. want to sell golf carts. Sure. Um, Speaking of golf carts, my friend, I got to get you one of these hats. My friend Christian Hafer at Hayflife, H-A-F-E underscore L-I-F-E. He uh, made this like visor right. that's got an image of a golf cart and it's like in, engulfed in flames. Yeah, 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 yeah. It's pretty cool. And he's got this whole thing about carry your clubs, carry your clubs. Yeah. And so he's going to you know, cart fire. Anyway, um, you know, wait, wait, hang on. I, I, I want to dig back. I had something there. Um, you were talking about building. Uh, what's that? Uh, no, it was right before that. I may have just lost it. Whatever, let's keep going. While you're, while you're searching for that, I, I, th I would like to know a bit more about what you're doing with, because you talked about meditation last yeah. night. Yeah, yeah. Um, so basically, um, you know, when I got into golf, I was surprised because I never thought I would like it because of all of the signposts that I, as an outsider, had observed: private, mm. the fountain, the trophy. Um, and so, when I did get into golf, I was like, "Oh, this is cool," you know. I actually like this, but unfortunately, it's not my game. It's not for me. And um, at that same time, my brother sent me a copy of Zen Golf. Have you heard of this book? Yeah, I've heard of it. Not read it, unfortunately. Yeah. Um, it's definitely worth, I feel like you would love it. Mm -hmm. I mean, how much do you get to play golf? I mean, probably it's changing now with the child. You know, I, I have to admit that uh, it's, it's, it's less and less. Yeah. The, uh, they say the worst thing you can do for your golf game is get a job in golf. Yeah. That's absolutely true. You, after an I, intensive, familiar. you know, day at the office or on site, you kind of just want to think about something else. Yeah, kind of goes back to that leisure window. Like you almost have like an attention window. Yeah. Like it's like I can think about this for so long, yeah. and then I need something totally different. That's why I actually got into cooking. Yeah, I saw. I did my homework. <laughs> you saw the, this the, morning. The, the, the cookie. The I baking saw you show. with uh, the hat on. <laughs> That, that was, you know, I just love cooking. There's something about it. That, cooking's great for me because it's like one-to-one. -one. Not the time. It takes much longer to cook. and it I eat it very rapidly. But the idea that um, this exercise is merely to prepare and to sustain this event. And it's got this little need in it. And I get to eat healthy. But it's like, it's very, I don't know, I just find it terribly exciting. Anyway, um, it's like, so my brother sends me a copy of Zen Golf. And that was a shock because he's not a Zen golf guy, quote unquote. He's not a hippie, you know. He's a lawyer. He's got a job, you know. Not that those. He's people. got a job. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he went to college. These things, right? Um, and so he sends me Zen golf, and and ironically, we were just coincidentally we were talking about Robert Trent Jones. I get the copy of Zen golf the week that I'm on the Robert Trent Jones Trail, which is the year Phil won the Masters. So I had this little routine, which I've already shared on the podcast, but basically I would go play the Robert Trent Jones course in the morning. I would get lunch and then I would drive to the next one, which is, you know, sub two hours, right? Yeah. 
and then I would drive to the next one, I would play another round of golf, and then I would shower, because they had these showers there, and I would shower, and then I would, uh, then I would go to Olive Garden, which is this restaurant in America that has you know, a bottomless bowl of salad, and so I would eat the salad, I would watch highlights of Phil Mickelson at the Masters, and then I would go pull into a Holiday Inn parking lot, but I couldn't afford to stay inside the hotel, so I just slept in my car, and I would read Zen Golf with my headlamp in the back of my station wagon, and then I would wake up as the sun came up, because you obviously, have you ever slept in a car? It's very, it's very hard to sleep I in. I don't think I have. Oh, it's a, you got to do it. You'd love it. It's, it's, it's hard to stay up past I've slept sunrise. in a moving car. <laughs> <laughs> and so then I would wake up in the morning and uh, go inside the Holiday Inn, brush my teeth, get some free bagels and muffins and coffee, <laughs> and then go play the next Robert Trent Jones course. And so reading Zen Golf during this period was really transformational for me. And I began to see in a lot of ways that golf is couldn't, couldn't be more opposite from what I thought it was which really was exciting. Right? I mm -hmm. thought golf was, the, the list of things that I thought golf was, I could disprove now completely. Yes. I, I, I really could, you know what I mean? And, and, and I guess that's my most important flag that I want to raise to the world is that like, you're wrong, right? This is not what golf is. And not even really so much to the, the non-golfers, the 2B the golfers, mm -hmm. but more to the golfers that are walking around with their heads down. That are, mm -hmm. or, or riding around with their heads down, or the mm -hmm. golfers that are um, you know, not wanting to finish their round. That's so sad to me to think that you've come out here, you've, 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 you've created a window to have an experience, and you want to leave early. I find that really sad. You're, you're, your enjoyment level is so low. You, yeah. you know, it's, almost like, it's almost like if you... Not, not, it's not even about score necessarily, but people are so stuck to score that their experience gets so low that they want to leave. And anyway, it discovered meditation at that point. And I began to meditate merely just out of free time and curiosity. And uh, then discovering, you okay? Then discovering, oh, it's fine. There are, there are children outside playing. God damn it. Um, there are, thanks, Cole. There are, uh, we're closing a window. But another one will open. Absolutely. Anyway, got, in, got into the idea that meditation could be used on a, on a professional level, but also on an amateur level, and was appalled that there was no other media out there about this. Whether it was, There was a book or two, um, but no one had really looked at it. And so in the film, we devised a way of proving whether or not golf is a spiritual game by using meditation on 50 golfers, both professionally... Uh, inclined and amateurs mm -hmm. and if meditation could help these people get better at golf and be happier could you prove that golf is a spiritual game so that's the film mm -hmm. yeah and i will give you a a a, a, a non-verbal indicator of whether or not we did so <laughs> thumbs up <laughs> okay i talked for a while your turn well, I definitely think golf has uh, spiritual health benefits. Uh, evidence, at least, seems to suggest that. So, and I think that, you know it's up to us as architects to also work with that. And and um, and I, I guess we like you, like you talked about. There are some people don't seem to enjoy the game so much, um, walking off early and things. But obviously, we have different types of customers. But 
Uh, I fear some, also I fear that in some of those cases we, you know, we as architects maybe can do better to, you know, with certain things, you know, a million different things to enhance the experience. Mm. You know, it could be searching for lost balls too often. It could be, you know. Yeah, I don't, I don't put up with that. So, yeah, so. <laughs> Even if it's like in the left side of the fairway, I'm like, gone. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And that's actually a very uh, big challenge for us because now we're, we're talking about trying to reduce the footprint. We're tr talking about mowing less and things like that. But there's a balance there because then you, you know, you get more lost balls. Right. And that's uh, an irritation for the customer, for the user. Yeah, I experienced you're that yesterday. You're losing a valuable and yeah. then you're also spending time, you know, searching. And so that's a difficult balance to strike, you know. Yeah. Yeah, at Keeler yesterday, I, 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 did, I, I didn't get frustrated because I just really, I, I don't actually care. No. But uh, yeah, I, I, I lost a few balls and I was like, that was a good shot. Oh, well. Exactly. So, uh, yeah. But, but I, I, I spend so much of my life playing new courses mm -hmm. for the first time and maybe the last Yeah. that I can't. I, I can't get into yeah, sometimes you just Freaking go, no, didn't know what was there or something. And yeah. I just, yeah. They, they should almost have, a, a, you know how they have winner rules? They should almost have newcomer rules. <laughs> you yeah. know what I mean? If it's your first time at this course, <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, I don't know. You know what I mean? Like, like I don't know. It, I, maybe it did say it on the scorecard, but it should say like, oh, I guess it would be too hard. But I mean, the, it's not even a guidebook for the course, but it's more like a general set of like, if it's your first time at this course, if it's your first time playing a golf course, you get this. Yeah, but but also, I mean, and that comes back to the basics again. I mean, if you're designing a course with a predetermined number, you'll probably for, have uh, feel that you're forced in some ways to accept blind shots. Be, because, you know, you have to find a connection from one hole to the next. You know, you're, you're trying to you know, put the puzzles together and that might yield some less desirable holes and shots. Wait, speaking of blind shots, I mean, not speaking of blind shots. Because, but I thought that we, yeah, you were talking about blind shots no, because I was. as a newcomer, you don't know what's beyond and you're... Totally. Well, you the, you the, hit some, what do you think is a good shot, but it's not and it's gone to the deep grass somewhere yeah. and you can't find it. The 17th Aquiler, like I was like, mm. uh, what's yeah, the line? Yeah, yeah. I mean, I actually hit a great, I was fine, but uh, what do you think of blind shots? I, it, dep it depends on the utility that you want to achieve for the course. If it's a, a daily members course where it's, uh, you know, most of the rounds played are played by people who are familiar with the course, then I think it's a different story. Mm. Uh, if it's a resort, you know, course with lots of newcomers, you know, to the area, then mm. you ideally want to show them what's there. Um, I think in some cases, a blind tee shot can be very sort of exhilarating. Let's, let's say if you go to some of the older British courses, you might have a gaping sort of big sort of bunker in front of you with a marker post and you kind of get a rush from hitting over it. Mm. You could go to the you know Royal St. George's or something like that. What about the fourth at Lahinch? Fourth at Lahinch, you have to guide me a bit. Uh, par five, uh, well, whatever. Yeah, I'm not, I'm, uh, it's not, it's the, not. The first know. hole you hit into like this huge valley and yeah, you can see yeah, everything, and then yeah. you're literally hitting over a mountain on your second yeah, shot. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I, well, I, I, person, I think I wouldn't, I wouldn't go so far in my work. You uh, wouldn't be allowed to in this day and age. No one would. No depends one depends on where that. you are, though. Yeah, yeah. 
there's also uh, the risk of liability there because if you're you know you right. think you, you think the group ahead of you is gone yeah no it's great because you can't see him but then you hit your shot and you actually strike someone the 18th tee box is literally the 18th tee and the fifth tee sit right next to the fourth green which is a par five green with a completely blind shot yeah i bring it up because i've eagled this hole but anyway moving on Obvi- yeah obviously <laughs> i chipped in from like 20 yards yeah. it was what so sick. Did you use? i had a 56 i was playing with a member and uh i i parred the first hole which was you know off a of red eye that was pretty good second hole um bogey third hole par fourth hole eagle and i mean this guy was an old guy with his dachshund you know and he goes he goes on the fifth tee box he's like all right i'm gonna go home now <laughs> <laughs> he's like I think you got the hang of it <laughs> he left and I went like 12 over <laughs> um, okay so let's see let's switch gears here uh, Colt what do you got I have a question go um, ahead Edwin it seems like you have a really unique view kind of you know to golf and your perspective and everything and about sustainability efficiency and whatnot. what what has kind of um, what's influenced you the most on that to like have that outlook? We're gonna see a new hashtag come up. Get Colt a mic. It's gonna come up. What's the question again? So I can rephrase what it. What influences him the most to have his outlook on the game? Because what? I think it's a really unique outlook. Right. And what's been your I biggest influence? Myself, is that Icelandic culture? Is it where you learned? You know, golf architecture. You know, a mentor or something like that. Obviously, it's a mixture of things. But what would you say is the biggest? Yeah, I think. Um, for, and first of all, I think I'm not sure if my perspective is that unique. But I mean, there is a certain group of young professionals, and even even you know older ones as well uh, in the industry that uh, share this view. Uh, you, you know, we could talk about the people at uh, the golf environment organization and things like that. So, but I think I am lucky coming from here because golf is quite. You know, its status in our community is quite special, quite unique. Uh, and, it, and it's, you know, down to factors that we talked about a bit yesterday. Right. Um, so that, that gives me sort of a, an indication of what is achievable, you know, how the role that golf can play. But then apart from that, it's also um, a certain point in my professional life and even personally where I, I, I just want to, I want to work on something meaningful. You know, I, I, I want to be, I want to create value. Um, and I, I felt for a, a bit that I was belonging to an industry that is where there is a little bit too much vanity. Uh, I think, I think, you know, I maybe can't find the right words, but I think you know where I'm going with this. It's, you know, I, I don't want to create playing grounds for rich elderly people only. <laughs> They're welcome, obviously, but I just, yeah, if, if I can't, if I can't um, use the knowledge that I've gathered, you know, since I started being involved in golf professionally, you know, to these ends, then I'll go and do something else. Like what? Ooh. Starbucks barista? Barista? <laughs> That's a very good question, actually. You could craft a fucking star. I bet, I bet, I bet the lattes you make are just bonkers. I think I, I, I could see, I would you like to do your job. What? 
That just cracks me up. Should we switch? We can switch, dude. Well, that's because I imagine myself making a golf course. Yeah. So for this season, we did. Uh, I played uh, uh, snow golf, ice golf. Yeah. And uh, they let me design a hole. And I was watching the episode back last night. It's not out yet, but I was watching the episode back, yeah. and the guy was like, "What do you want to do?" And I was like, "Let's make the hole into a perfect circle." <laughs> And but make a wall so that you have to go around the circle. Well, the hole is a perfect circle, isn't it? Yeah. You know? Like oh yeah, oh yeah. <laughs> but then you know that reminds me. Well, that's probably like I've given it away actually the answer. But but um, how many rules do you think or can you identify that there are in golf course architecture? How many rules? Yeah. What what do you simply what must you achieve? What is? Are there parameters that you have to follow? Well, like you, well, you told me the one that's like, um, you know, take them to the nicest part of the property. Is that is that what you're talking yeah, about? Yeah, no, this is yeah, that's, that's, a, that's a guideline or an objective. Oh, yeah. you actually but have actual rules. Rule that, that that the golf course has to have. Um, okay, I'm gonna take a stab at this. It has to have huh, a parking lot. Okay, he's not giving me anything with his face. He's just looking at me. You're like Donald Trump right now. You look like you're firing me. <laughs> you're fired. I'm gonna try one. I'm gonna try. I'm gonna try it. I, maybe I go out to the back. It's got to have a parking lot. I mean, you have to design that, right? It's got to have a clubhouse. Yeah, but I, I, that probably would be a good idea. Yeah, but uh, here, I'm, just going, about the I'm going further here. I'm going to actual okay. rules. Literally rules. Yeah, just okay. Uh, the tee boxes have to be flat. I don't know. Mm. Um, it's it's got to have golf carts. It's got to. I am floundering here. I feel like I'm being interrogated. I'm saying tee and hole. Mm, I think yeah, you're you're getting there. Yeah. All right, Colt. Good job. Way, okay. way I mean, to bring obviously, home for, for, team for the you know to enforce the rules of golf, I mean there have to be T markers, I, uh, you know, okay. right? Uh, technically, par threes have to be under two fifty. Mm, no, I think you can more or less assign. I think there are guidelines for par, but they're not stated in the rules of golf. Are there rules about the slope of the green and anything? No. Are there no rules? There's only well, apart from the need for T markers, just to so that the game can be played according to the rules of golf. There's only one rule. Yeah. Wait, <laughs> wait. There's one rule. Yeah. No, Don't no. tell me. There's one rule that yeah. you have to follow. Yeah. Oh, what the? F what is it? The cup has to be a certain size. Yeah, that's it. The diameter of the hole. I feel like a fucking. That's the only dimension. Stephen Hawking or, right now. Yeah. So, <laughs> apart from that, just go wild. You know? Right. Wow. I think I honestly I think I can die now. But now we, that I got the answer to your we, magnificent riddle, that I think that might be because of malnutrition, wouldn't it? <laughs> because <laughs> I do need breakfast. Can we go eat <laughs> breakfast after this? <laughs> I'm so hungry. Yeah, we can have we can have lunch downstairs. Uh, is it lunch? In a bit. What time is it? No, no, it's it's quarter past ten. Uh, oh God. Yeah, it depends on when you want to get out to Breiterholt or get moving up north. Um, Are we going to go to your golf course today? I don't think I can join you. Okay. Uh, unfortunately. That's okay. But I've, I've built... I, I managed to, you know, talk to the Siglo people. Uh, so I'll talk to you about that. Oh, great! We're gonna go up to Siglo, everyone. You'll be seeing on the Instagram uh, photos and videos from uh, Edwin's uh, most recent album. Album. His his most recent mixtape <laughs> dropped on the north yeah. shore of yeah. Iceland. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's uh, filled with uh, some of your favorites and some new hits. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> and uh, it's the land of the midnight sun, folks. So we'll be raving into the late morning, I guess. Yeah. 
It's actually, you could say that it's, the album has a cover song there. Oh, really? Because, you know, for some reason I've, I've had a stab at um, the Road Hole Green. Oh, wow. The 17th at St. Andrews. So that's, that, it slopes away from you a little bit and it's on an angle? Yeah, in that case, it's a drivable par four. Yeah. But I was trying to find an excuse to tilt the green towards the sun because we have to kind of have to do that here. Ah. So it has to slope southbound if possible. So I was trying to find an excuse to tilt it away from play. Okay. So uh, one, of the, one of the versions that I could make work, so at least I could sort of disguise that, but I've given that away now. Did you put a bunker in also or no? Yeah, yeah it's, 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 it's the same thing basically, but it's mirrored. Okay, right. So it has the bunker and everything, but it's mirrored. So it's a mirrored version of the road hole green on a drivable par four. Amazing. It's a very short drivable par. Is it's there actually an obstacle like a in... 220 meters to the front edge of the green. Oh, wow, okay. So I can hit, uh, anyway. Yeah, you can um, probably just three iron or something. So I can shank a five iron. <laughs> <laughs> Is there a restaurant off the tee that you could potentially hit? No, we didn't uh, include that. <laughs> that sounds hokey. Yeah, but it's actually you, the tee shot is played over a river. What do you think of um, these sort of uh, aggregate golf courses where it's like your favorite hole from here and there? Oh. Have you seen these? Yeah, 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 yeah. You just must think that it's just like the most American thing on no, earth. No, no, it's, it's, it's all of, you know, it's fun exercises, you know. It's, yeah. it's fun to play with. Yeah. And well, that's, that's just one, doesn't it, it just reminds us, doesn't it, how passionate we are about golf, you know? We like to, you know, think about all these things. We you know, want to come up with the best par threes, you know, here and there, best par fours or drivable par fours. Right. The best third holes in the world or <laughs> whatever what you, you can go mad with it. What do, you, um, what do you think your 15 years now of experience in golf course architecture, loving golf as a child, I'm assuming, yeah. what do you think golf has taught you above all else? The one what most, golf has taught me? Yeah, the one, the one. If you had to really boil it down into one thing, who? I hate this question, by the way. If you fucking ask well, me this back, well, the game, you know, uh, um, the game. I don't know. Uh, at least, golf is a profession to me. So, as such, that has taught me, you know, so many different things. Uh, you know, just you know how you know about how, how to how to do good work. Mm how to conduct yourself, how to communicate with people, because that's been my, you know, where I do my, my, my work. You know? So maybe just the game of golf. Yeah, the game of golf. And that's, that's what I, th I thought you were asking about, but I, I, want, I, just, I just want to dodge the issue because... Yeah, you just wanted to kill time because yeah. now we're already at 110. Yeah. He's like hoping everyone gets in their car and they're like, yeah, fuck so this guy. The game of golf has taught me, I think. <laughs> I think it's taught me, you know, which probably was a slow process. It taught me patience humility towards the fact that you can't control every outcome mm. so i think yeah i think it's probably humility humility yeah well and that brings me back to this question that i started to ask you earlier but i got but i literally as i i started sort of paving into this question and then as soon as the road was paved i just took a left and went down another dirt road mm. um yeah i can't remember what we were talking about but i was going to ask you about the role of ego in the golfer and it was related to the whole thing about the spy conversation, you know, when we were talking about being Jeremy Renner and how, like, I, you kind of look like him, actually. But, um, right? I mean, can I get... I mean, yeah. Doesn't he? The Icelandic Jeremy. The Icelandic Jeremy. By the way, Iceland, is that just, like, a misinterpreted version of island? Ice Islandia? 
No, um, e, you know, in Icelandic it's Iceland. It's 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 Iceland. direct tra- translation is Iceland. So ah. that, that that is. So when you see the proper word direct when you see the word island, you yeah. think of Iceland. Uh, yeah, well, yeah. Oh, if, you, if you don't know any English, then you <laughs> probably think that. <laughs> uh, raise your hands. Yeah. So so what's the word for island here? Eya. Eyja. Like Westmaneyjar. Like Isla. Like, like Westman Islands. That's Westmaneyjar. Yeah. What uh, What's some of your favorite phrases in Icelandic? What do you really like to say? What's the word you like to use a lot? You must have a word, like mine is fuck or something like that. Oh. But what do you use in in Icelandic that you really like to that you like to say? Yeah, you know, you're becoming ever more difficult. You know, as we, as we go. <laughs> now we're going into uh, what's the show? Actually, my fa- my my favorite word. Uh, I would say kilva. Kilva. Yeah. What does it mean? K y l f a. Okay. Okay. Let's write it down. Kill your no. Never mind. <laughs> Kill your little fucking ambitions. Kilva. Okay. Right. Okay. That's what it means. And the old version of that word back in like you know a thousand years ago or you know like you know the Viking era. Okay. Uh, I'm a Viking by that, the way. This is that was. Doesn't care. The old version of it, and it's still, you know, but nobody uses it. That's kolvur. kolvur. So that's K-O-L-F-U-R. Okay. Um, and we talked yesterday about how the island effect and the isolation of Iceland throughout the ages uh, helped preserve the old common Northern European language. Uh-huh. So ours is probably the nearest version to what was spoken then. Really? Yeah. This is the closest to the Nordic language like of the, the Vikings. O- what's called Old Norse. Oh, Norse. Yeah. And, um, okay, so we have kolvur. And this word kilva is the word we use for the golf club that we, oh. that we hit the ball with, right? And it used to be, you know, the, you know uh, kolvur. Okay. And uh, we talked about games called Kolven. Yeah. So basically what I'm telling you now is that the word golf is just a pronunciation and spelling change from kolf, kolf, which is sort of derived in some shape or form from that, from kolver. Wait, so, so you're I'm saying just telling w- you that uh, the word golf is Icelandic. That's what I'm telling you. Oh, my God. How much do I owe you? <laughs> <laughs> you so, heard it here first, folks. Not yeah, so, so the word kolf and kolven, <laughs> you know, in some shape or form, but obviously throughout centuries, you'll have al- always have a, a, an evolution of, of pronunciation and spelling. So the K has simply just turned to a G. Are you, softened. Are, are you actually saying that it is, you, you're making some jumps to say it's an Icelandic uh, there are, there are, there is literature supporting this theory. Really? Did you write it? No. <laughs> <laughs> but this actually this also means and it was probably more important I think for us uh, Icelanders is that we shouldn't then be using the word golf. We shouldn't be we should be using kilva. That would I'm going out to play kilva. Wow. Because we're just using a foreign Yeah, you're uh, bastardizing kind of your a, own heritage. A cause of that change in pronunciation and yeah. spelling for hundreds of years. You're We're using a derivative using of your own a word. Derivative, yeah. Yeah. Um, it would be like me going around being like, "Hey, so that adventures in golf guy wants to have lunch," instead of just talking about Eric. That doesn't make any sense. Yeah. 
I'm sorry. Uh, <laughs> okay. Uh, <laughs> um, no, no, but but that's interesting. So yeah, let, let, let's call that my favorite. I love etymologies. Yeah. I love etymologies. Yeah. This is uh, one of my favorites. Go this ahead. is linguistics, and linguistics is history. Yeah. So one of my favorites is amateur. <laughs> no, I'm serious. Do you know what it means? So is is your amateur hour in, in well, that's what's funny is everyone thinks oh it's amateur hour but you know what amateur really means it's french amateur, amateur. and it's from the heart oh, it means fantastic. to it means to do out of love and that's a good uh, bobby connection jones. with bobby jones and the amateur yeah. game yeah yeah you, you do it because you bobby love jones? it he's my favorite yeah right? I, I, i'm with you there yeah Uh, having completed three university degrees, yeah. uh, won 13 majors at 28, and, uh, and quit because of a physical limitation. Yeah, that's crazy. And and left all religious imprint on the game yeah. and the way we play yeah. it and the way we watch it today. Yeah. Um, Lasting legacy. I can't imagine we're going to actually push past this moment of depth. With the podcast, Colt, can you? Oh, you, yeah, you will. Edwin's okay. You will. Well, there's definitely going to be more uh, episodes with Mr. Edwin over here in the future. What this? I don't know what else to talk about now. I mean, we can. I think we should go. Maybe we should eat breakfast. How's everybody doing out there? How's the car ride? <laughs> How's America? You know, we got some listeners. Maybe we have an Icelandic listener. That's not you, Edwin. <laughs> <laughs> Hello. <laughs> I have a question to for Edwin. <laughs> um, tell me about that one time that you got a hole in one. <laughs> have you had a hole in one? Yeah. Amazing. You're so confident. I love it. You said you've had a hole in one, like you've already killed the beast. I had, I, I had a journalist with me in the group. No way. It was on the national news website. Uh, no way. In five minutes. Where? <laughs> where what was it on one of your courses? No, we were just, I was working for the Gulf Union at the time. It was in, I think, 2001 or something. And we were doing a, a promo thing for the Icelandic sort of local tour. Okay. You know, the, the you know, elite tournaments. Uh, and uh, we pl each played with a, a journalist and a few others, and that's where it happened. See, the, is, <laughs> are you like, is something clicking for you right now where you're thinking about Edwin builds a golf course, but even he is privy to the hole in one luck rule. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like that's kind of funny. Like 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 it's like your it's your it's your creation. It should give it up to you. It should. But you'd it think, right? But it doesn't. But when you go you know, when you go to Ciclo, one of the things it's probably got the shortest par three uh, in amongst series golf courses. Fifteen yards. <laughs> Actually it <laughs> makes you wonder. How short is too short? There's no rules. Yeah. When you said there's no rules, yeah. I almost fell off my chair. Because yeah. so, I, mean, I was I mean, like, everyone abides by all these rules. Everyone, you know, culturally there's yeah, rules. Yeah, 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 yeah. And I mean, it also boils down to why we build so many courses with four par threes and four par fives. Yeah. There's nothing saying you have to. Colt just raised his hand. I was just going to say, like, what are, what are your thoughts on par? I mean, there's... You know, I mean, it's kind of a construct, right? And you're talking about... <clears throat> par is an acronym. And No. What was Rap. etymology of par? Anyone? While you guys talk about that, I'm going to stick my nose in my you're iPhone. You're talking about rap? What? Rap music? Oh, the reverse of par. Yeah. Oh, boy. Okay, wait, wait. What What do you think of par? I'm going to look up the etymology. <laughs> par... Building a course the, without it, basically? Well, I've thought about it. Yeah, I mean, I, I'm... Obviously, I see par as something that was introduced as a tool to be able to interpret scores halfway through 
a tournament or something like that, you know, to have a milestone or, 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 or let's say a metric? It's really not that necessary. Um, yes and no, I guess. Um, today, at least, you know, we're going to have a new handicapping system soon. World ha world handicapping system. Wait, we're going to dis we're going to dismantle this. We're, we're merging. I really? think there are at least seven different handicapping systems yeah. throughout the world. Who's is best? Ours. The European? No, I have no <laughs> idea actually. Uh, but I think the American. We're merging them, so it's going to be the world handicapping system. Oh my! And, and Americans going to get folded into that? It's going to be, I think, in many ways based on the course U.S. You know, course rating yeah. system, and, and uh, to a large extent. Wait, least, player handicapping so. or course handicapping? Uh, player. Because I actually think the American handicapping system, while incredibly complicated, makes sense. Yeah. Okay. Because if you're using it for gambling, which is really all you're going to, I mean, why the fuck do you have a handicap? Mm. Only to gamble, right? Yeah. yeah. To, to win against someone else. That's a good point. Yeah, so yeah. if you're going to do that, it has to be geared towards your potential ability rather than yeah. your average yeah. score. Yeah. Yeah. And, to, I'm walking and to, in to enable 12, people to play with one another at different skill levels. Yeah. By the way, my handicap is an 87 right now. <laughs> Last, yesterday I shot 160. Um, but par. Yeah, par. Um, but, you know, I think it, 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 do, it does... It's positive and negative. I think in some ways it often has adverse effect on a, pers a player's decision-making process over a shot, let's say, just for the sole reason that the sign on the tee said four and not five, that player is going to try to go for the green on, you know, in a, on an iffy second shot. I do the reverse. Well, maybe the best play would it. be to play short to, some, to either side <coughs> and then attack the hole from a different... It kind of... Uh, blocks your mind a little bit. Because you say your you, the the road hole that you made your course up in Seaglow is it's almost a half par, right? Yeah, yeah, it's a half. It is a half par. It's a two point five. If it was a par three, it would be a really long and yeah. par three. So it's kind of and the Seaglow course is quite unique in that way, and it um, you know it, it just that's the way it just the, the best routing plan just it just lent it lent itself to that uh i've got two short par fours on it um one the other is a drivable par four with a, a, a creek or a stream in, at the back mm. of the green which is a you know a little bit unusual it's got back-to-back -back par threes both of them are short the other being sort of enclosed inside a plantation of tall pine trees, and the other you you kind of walk out of that plantation and go out into the island green hole. So, two completely different holes, but they're both short. How I short can't wait to play in, in succession. About? Sorry. How short was the shortest one you were just talking about? Uh, it can be played at about fifty or sixty yards. Oh, that's fun. Lakes. But but you know it's it's at the back of the tee you're you kind of have you, you probably have 115 yards but very few people are actually going to be offered to play it from there i think you're going to play it mostly off the club tees right eight, 80, 85 yards good number well hard but it's a, it's a fairly small target you know all right par is derived from the stock exchange term that the stock may be above or below its normal par figure so originally the word meant equal in latin um, in 1870, Mr. A.H. Dolman, a golf writer, asked the golf professionals what score would win, quote, the belt. Guess what he was referring to? When he said, who's going to win the belt? What is he referring to? Anyone know? Oh, Open Championship. Boom. Yeah, young Tom Morris. Exactly. Yeah. Then the winning trophy for the Open. 
at Prestwick, where it was first held annually from 61 to 70, 1800 that is, Strathan Anderson said the perfect play should produce a score of 49 for Prestwick's 12 holes. Gee, speak of a random layout. Mr. Dolman called this par for Prestwick, and subsequently young Tom won with a score of two strokes over par for the three rounds of 36 holes. Although the first noted use of the word par in golf was in Britain and predates the word bogey, today's rating system does not, and the par standard was not further developed until later. It was the Ladies Golf Association from 1893 that began to use, holy shit, that began to use a national handicapping system for women. Speak of the devil. It's like this article was written for us. It was largely in place by the end of the century. The Men's Association later followed suit. (laughs) <laughs> it takes us a minute, but we figured it out. We're like, eh, what's going on over there? In 1911, the USGA, <laughs> in 1911, the USGA of the day laid down the following very modern distances for determining par. Speak of the devil, up to 225 yards, par three. These are just guidelines, though. Yeah. As golf developed, guidelines. scores were coming down, but many old British courses did not adjust their score, their courses or their bogey scores, which meant good golfers and all the professionals were achieving lower than a bogey score. This meant the U.S. had an up-to-date national standard for distances and holes, while the British bogey ratings were determined by... Thanks for listening, everybody. Anything else, Edwin? Well... Four hours later. One more question. Yeah. Okay, Colt, hit me. First one I had, where'd you grow up? Where'd you grow up? I grew up Brooklyn. In, in Reykjavik. In Reykjavik. Yeah. I like how you say Reykjavik. Say it again. Reykjavik. Reykjavik. Because I say Reykjavik. Yeah. Reykjavik. Reykjavik. Is there a song about Reykjavik that you know? Oh, there are plenty, but Let's I'm not going to sing them Come here. Come on. No, <laughs> no one's listening. It's just you and my parents, <laughs> as far as I know. By the way, uh, head over to Walmart if you want to get a good deal. On, no, I'm kidding. Um, that was a joke. Was like no one's listening except we're doing a bunch of ads. <laughs> Buy Adidas shoes, by the way. They're great shoes. What kind of shoes do you got? Aldo. Aldo. Cut that out. <laughs> do you have any Adidas shoes? Yep. Great. I was wearing some last night. That's right. You were. Yeah. Uh, I was mostly focused on your blue eyes, though. Oh, jeez. Everyone in this country has blue eyes. Ah, uh, yes. Uh, quite a lot of them, yeah. It's amazing. It's, it's incredible. So I'm Swedish, you know? Uh, your name Eric, suggests a Nordic uh, heritage. Erik Anders Lang. Yeah. How do you say it? Erik Anders Lang. There you go. Yeah. So uh, whereabouts in Sweden? Uh, I don't know. I went to go find out. I think Stockholm. Mm-hmm. But How many generations three, in the U.S.? Then? Three or four. Yeah, yeah, yeah. My father knows. He has it all drawn out. It's like he has it figured out. You kind of have a Scandinavian look. I do. No, I went to Sweden. And everyone was like, Yagshibori, oh, didori. <laughs> and I was like, ah, can we back up? Yeah. Yeah, American. Yeah. <laughs> uh, what? So, uh, what was it like growing up in Reykjavik? Fantastic. Yeah, fantastic. Uh, uh, fantastic. <laughs> fantastic. <laughs> no, it was really nice. Um, and it's, I think we also talked about last night that um, I, I, I thought at some point that I would have to move away from here to sort of be able to do my job, you know? The market wasn't, Leave Iceland in general to work on more courses. Yeah, yeah. But um, what's really pleasant now is that um, maybe for the last 10 years or so, Iceland has been getting more popular as a tourism destination, which has uh, increased the supply of flights. So they've both come down in prices and and, uh, so more supply of them. 
Hashtag so wow. Yeah, it's easier now for me to... And, and it's made Iceland, for me, a very central location. Yeah. So I really enjoy... Uh, that's this is where you know we're raising a family and um, and being able to sort of hop hop sort of hop west and eastbound sort of across the pond. Um, I'm so happy for you. It's a nice central location. Yeah. I'm so happy for you. Congratulations on your child's birth and your birthday you. and your career and everything. If people want to um, get a hold of you, what percentage should I take after listening to the, find you from the podcast? Ten, fair, eight, okay, fine, five. <laughs> okay, fine, point three percent. No, uh, no, but you're on Instagram. If anyone wants to check you out, it's E D W I N. Do what? I pay you or you pay me? Uh, well, in my country, <laughs> <laughs> that, you know. <laughs> Uh, anyway, you're how does this work? It, it, well, I, for the podcast, it's free. The yeah, first time it's free. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> watch, watch. There's like a, there's like an expose. Well, for me, how. into the office here, it's a five dollar entry fee, but it's, <laughs> but it's ten dollars to get out. <laughs> there you go. There you go. Yeah. You got a double. What about double or nothing? Yeah. Um, so anyway, Edwin's on Instagram. E D W I N R O U L D. R O A L D. Oh Jesus. R O A L D. This whole time I've had you in there. Um, and then you can see some of his work. Uh, do you have a website or anything where people can look at your work? EdwinRoald.com. And you can see, I'm sure, yeah. beautiful images of it all. Um, in fact, it was funny because Edwin, we were at dinner last night and someone texted me on Instagram and said, go see, what was the name of the course? Breuterholt. Someone said, go see Breuterholt. Yeah. And, I, and I showed it to Edwin and I don't know anything. I know nothing about nothing. Yeah. I said, Edwin, should I go look at Breuterholt? And he goes, well, I did lay out the master plan for that course, so maybe. So hopefully we'll go on Friday together. Yeah, I could, yeah, that could work. Yeah, right yeah. before the World Cup game where Iceland makes it to the next stage. Yeah, yeah. So I assume that, you know, you could also go there right now on the way up north. Oh, and just play? It is a nice day, but, you know, but uh, obviously you call the shots on that. So you have, yeah. obviously you, you drive past it Four. twice anyway. <laughs> okay, I have to hear like a tremendous amount of Icelandic right now. Can you just, can you just say like as much as you can in Icelandic? Yeah, uh, say that this is the Eric Lang Show. Welcome, everybody. Have a great day. Hope you're enjoying your drive. My first guest is. Eric Anders Lang. This is good. This is good. Okay, I'll, I'll do it again, right? And just, say, yeah. just say as much as you can. I need to, and I need to get into the groove, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. T -t Tell me the story about how you. Uh, uh, let's see. What, what is an interesting call? Tell me about your first birdie. My first birdie? Yeah, in Icelandic. What are you're you, what assuming you, that four I four years old. You're assuming that I have had a birdie. Well, you've had an eagle. I know that. Yeah, my first birdie. I have. Yeah, I have no idea. Oh, you don't remember your first birdie, Colt? Do you remember your first birdie? Yeah. I do. Yeah. yeah, it's a great story. I'm not going to tell, tell you. Us, tell us. <laughs> tell us about that. Hey, why don't we do this? I'll say it and you translate it at the same time. Okay, uh, let's do that. Yeah. 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 Okay. Okay. Ready? <laughs> For our Icelandic friends out there, and you haven't understood an hour and a half of the podcast, here's your chance to shine. <laughs> it's going to feel like you're at the UN assembly. <laughs> right. right. <laughs> Right, right, all right. So it actually happened to be on the Robert Trent Jones Trail in Alabama. Okay, that was just a valley after Robert Trent Jones. Oh, uh, Robert Trent, Trent Jones Trail. And it was on my. <laughs> I'm freaking out right now because universal way, language of laughter. Yeah, because so I put my glasses on. I don't know why. I don't need to see anything right yeah, now. Yeah, um, So it was on my fourth round, and. <laughs> I had been playing the course for a couple days. And I had only been playing golf for about five months at the time. And on the Robert Trent Jones Trail, you get paired up with random people. 
Og á þessum velli þá, þá ertu paraður með bara hinn og þessu fólki. This is incredibly hard. Þetta er mjög erfitt. He almost didn't translate that. Já, næstu ég er búin að klúra þessu. <laughs> He did translate that one. <laughs> okay, okay, okay. And so anyway, I, uh, we're playing the, I think it's the judge course somewhere in Alabama. Okay, þá erum við að spila dómaravöllin væntalega í Alabama, einhvern staðar. So, and the, so what we're doing right now, now the camera's judge on. Judge course. The judge course, yeah, it's called the judge. You know, not familiar? Dómaravöllurinn. Yeah. yeah. Oh, I don't. I just yeah. said yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so now we're translating. Okay, but anyway, you got it. So, uh, so it's a par five and a parfim. Yeah, a parfim. Yeah. Yeah, and I and I, I just played the hole as I normally would. And I put it out and. I didn't I think I made like a 6 footer or didn't even think about it. I put the flag back in the hole. And the two people that I was playing with the lovely older couple. They look at me and say nice birdie. And I said, "No, that was a par." And they said, "But it's a par 5." And I said, "Wait a minute." And this was very early on in my golf career. Where I had to count each stroke very, because I didn't, you know, when you, it takes a while to play golf to really remember each shot, you know, and the hole. The story of my first birdie translated into Icelandic live on the Eric Lang show today. Uh, so then they say, no, you, you, it's a par five. And I was like, I counted each shot and then I held And I stood there holding up my four little fingers. And, and I was like, that was my first birdie. And that's it. How do I say thank you for listening? Tak fyrir að hlusta. Tak fyrir að hlusta. Tak, tak, what? Tak fyrir að hlusta. Tak fyrir að hlusta. There's a lot of yeah, letters in that there. That was good. That was okay. It was really good actually. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. How do I say, uh, uh, Colt, it's been great looking at you. No, thank you for having me. Thank you for it's having you. It's been a big pleasure. <laughs> thank you for having you. Thank <laughs> you. <laughs> I'm very tired. So if something didn't make sense, that's why. Um, you know, Edwin, it's been great. I, I really look forward to staying in touch over the next period of time that you and I are able to inhabit the planet together. And um, I'm sure that, have you been to the Augusta? Yeah. Of course. Uh, well, uh, you've got a project that you can talk about in- uh, in, in Augusta? A, in California? Yeah, you're working on Augusta? Ooh, <laughs> <laughs> Doing some updates to number 12? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, I, uh, yeah, I, I, I've got some work in California and North Carolina. Yeah. Uh, unfortunately, they're, you know, not, non-disclosure. Yeah, yeah, totally. Well, yeah. well, what's exciting is that we'll be able to hang out again. That's what I really absolutely, care about. Absolutely, absolutely. Yeah. It's perfect. Our yeah. paths will cross. Yeah, well, I'll see you Friday for your birthday. We're going to watch World Cup. Yeah, and, Iceland, uh, Nigeria. And we're really going to get to the bottom of this naming thing for your, for your child. Nigeria has more footballers than Iceland has people. No way. Yeah. 350K in Iceland, 340-something? Yeah. Nigeria has more people that play football. Nigeria has 180 million people. That's that's a lot for a small country. I'm starving. Oh, that came out wrong. I did not mean it that way. I just, I am hungry. I actually don't like when people say the word starving because it because it really does play in light of one of the world's largest problems, which is hunger. Yeah, yeah. I, so I, I didn't I did not mean no, that as no, a joke. No, no, no. We know that. Too. Yeah. Anyone at home is thinking don't. I'm an asshole. You're yeah. right, but I did not mean that. I uh, don't think I not. did not mean that. I just meant I'm. I'm Thank you for listening, everybody. I'm going to shut this down before I say something else terribly offensive. <laughs> Have a great day. <laughs> Nosedive. Thanks, Evan. Have a good day. Drive safe. Oh, you too. Bye. We're saying bye even though we're still sitting here. <laughs> <laughs>